Hello, Marketeers. Welcome to another episode of AEC Marketeer Podcast, exploring AEC marketing and beyond. I'm your host, Keelan Cox, and I'll be exploring marketing trends and answering your most pressing questions to help you thrive as an AEC Marketeer. All right, Marketeers, thank you so much for joining me. Today I have on Frank Lippert. He is a CPSM and a partner in Go Strategies LLC. He specializes in helping firms win important projects with effective strategic pursuit management. He also teaches and coaches architects, engineers, and contractors on best practices and evolving practices in marketing and business development. Frank is the host of the Professional Services Marketing PSM Show podcast. Welcome, Frank. Thanks, Keelan. So excited to be here. Awesome. So before we dig into why I brought you on the podcast, which is to talk about the right way to approach interviews. And when I say interviews, I'm talking about like getting a job for yourself yeah. <laughs> as opposed right. to for your firm, the right questions to ask and basically how to interview your interviewer. So before we dig into that, I'm curious how you got started in this industry. What's your story? Yeah, thanks. I'm really excited about the topic today. How I got started in this industry is that my dad worked in construction and he said, you're smarter than me. You don't need to get dirty every day. You should use your math skills and become a land surveyor. And I thought, okay, what the heck is that? And so I went to college and learned how to be a land surveyor. And that worked for the first six years of my career. Mm-hmm. And then I met a lady named Ann Simons and I was working for her. She was headquartered in Seattle and I was working in Portland, Oregon. And Ann came down to the office one day and said, somebody's got to do some marketing around here. And Frank, you've got the personality for it. And she took me to my first SMPS meeting, and I have never been a technical person since. I credit her okay. with my whole success. And yeah, and then from there, I just sort of parlayed into where I am today. 10 years ago, next year, I started Ghost Strategies, and I love consulting because it gives me the opportunity to work with a bunch of different clients and doing a bunch of different projects all the time and really helping people solve their unique business challenges. So yeah, that's, that's so sort of cool. how I got here. It was kind of kind of a different route. <laughs> that's amazing. I had no idea. Yeah, I don't talk too much about being a surveyor, although I did meet just last year the the guy who is the SMPS Michigan chapter president is okay. a land surveyor. And so we had this like brief moment of high five surveyor to surveyor in marketing. <laughs> so oh, how funny. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) My dad was a land surveyor. He's retired now, but he's the one who got me into the industry. And he's like, you're too smart to be doing this. So you need to be doing marketing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's awesome. We have good fathers. (laughs) Yes, we do. So in the current state of the market, who do you see as holding the power when you're in an interview process or even just in the larger market? Yeah, I think in this time when the great resignation is going on and coupled that with the great retirement and there's all kinds of job openings and and fluidity in the market, I think the employees really hold the power here. They need you. (laughs) They really need employees. They being architects, engineers, contractors, they can't hire marketing folks fast enough, good enough, Mm -hmm. soon enough. 
And so I think it really, because we hold that power as marketers, I think we have the opportunity to really turn the tables a little bit and ask them some hard questions more than, or at least equal to what they ask us. Right. So then to ask these questions, what would your approach be to the interview process? Yeah, I think the big thing to think about when you're approaching these interviews is that you need to approach it like we teach engineers and architects and contractors how to do interviews for jobs, Mm -hmm. right? We practice, we write down the questions, we think about the answers, we really prepare. We might even do some, I don't know, I've sat down with some friends of mine here in Sacramento where we sat at my kitchen table and I pretended I was the person conducting the interview and they were answering my questions and I was answering theirs. And so they actually went through some rehearsals, if you will, for interviews. And I think that kind of stuff is what we really need to get into. And I think it really helps build your confidence, makes you realize you do have the power to ask this stuff. I'd also preface the whole conversation with If we don't ask these questions right now, before we accept the offer, it's really hard to ask these questions after we're in the job. So now is the time, like right before you sign on the dotted line and agree to come to work for somebody, now is the time to ask those hard questions. Really understand what you're getting into. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like when you're in an interview process, typically you are on the receiving end of these questions, what types of questions are you following up with and when are you inserting those? Sure. So I think what what you really wanna do is put yourself in some situations or put Mm. them in some situations so they're able to really frame the day-to-day. When you have the power in the interview, what you wanna get at is what's it gonna be like every day working here? So the more we can frame things with situational questions, things like describe to me the go, no, go that happened last week, right? Mm. Be very specific, right? Don't say describe a go, no, go process because they're going to describe the best go, no, go process they can think of, right? Right. Instead say, describe a go, no, go process from last week. And if they stumble and they're like, well, we didn't make one last week, say, okay, well, the last go, no, go process, the last time you sat in that meeting, you had the RFP in front of you and you had to make a go, no, go decision. Walk me through how that meeting went, right? And then, and then the most important thing after asking hard questions like that is to shut up. <laughs> Don't talk. And, you know, I mean, Keelan, you know me, I'm a talkative person. I have a really hard time with this. This is one of those places (laughs) where Frank gives advice. He can't always follow himself, but listen, I have a technique where I literally bite my tongue in my mouth and count backwards from 10. And believe it or not, 10 seconds is more than enough time to force the other person to talk, especially in a professional business context. And yes, I've tasted blood in my mouth before (laughs) because I've waited that long. (laughs) But you know what? It it works, right? If you get the, the quietness of 10 seconds, it's an amazing period where you're allowing the other person to reflect. You're allowing Uh them to really think about how they're going to answer the question. And here's the other thing about these situational questions. They're going to ask you those same kind of questions, Mm -hmm. but 
they're not, they're not, at least in my experience and from the dozens of people I've talked to in the last probably six months who have been changing jobs or interviewing for jobs, companies that are hiring aren't necessarily ready for these kinds of questions. Sure. So it catches people a little off guard. They're like, what the hell are you asking me a question like that? And I think it's really important to give people the space to answer that, to, to give them space to think about the answer. Yeah. When I like that you point out the situational questions, because I do feel like when you're moving from one company that you're familiar with to another one, it's sort of like entering a new relationship where everything on the other end seems really rosy because you don't know much about the company that you're going into, but you know everything about the company that you're potentially leaving. So to sort of, you know, pull back the curtain on the razzle dazzle of a new company and to really make an informed decision of, is this going to give me what I'm actually looking for in a job aside from salary? If it's salary, fine, but you also similar to that, you need to be happy. You need to really know that the changes that you want in your career are going to be possible with this new move. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think that First of all, don't ever go into a job interview without jumping on your network, jumping on LinkedIn, see who worked there before, who knows somebody who worked there before and call them, ask Mm. them what the companies like to work with. By all means, check out Glassdoor and things like that too. But having a conversation with someone that worked at that company before can be really, really informative to kind of start to, you're right, you have rose-colored glasses on. It's a way to kind of pull back that curtain. I think that the other thing that happens in an interview is that everybody puts on their best face, right? It's Mm -hmm. like the first date, right? You go on the first date and everybody's like, you're wearing your good clothes and you brush your teeth twice and, you know, you're showing up looking as hot as you can possibly look. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of what's happening in that first interview. So be aware of that and look forward to second and third interviews, because you'll start to realize that you'll see more of the real human being. And w- one technique that I've seen work is in that second or third interview, going back to questions that were asked in the first interview mm-hmm. and clarifying your answers or asking a deeper question about what, why, the question they asked you. So for example, in a first interview, they might ask you a question like, what do you think your strengths and weaknesses are? Mm -hmm. I hate that question. It's a stupid question. Everybody lies about it. But if you turned that question to around and said, wow, sure. My strengths are strategic communications and I don't know, spreadsheets, right? (laughs) Yeah. And then I think it's fair to say, so what are your strengths? right? And get them to answer. But when they answer, write it down, write it down. And so then when you come to the second interview with that person, you can say, so I was thinking about the strengths that you had. And mm-hmm. here's what, what you told me. And here's how I see those fitting with my strengths or not fitting with your strengths or complementing your strengths, right? Some people's strengths are complementary to other people's. It gives the interviewer the sense that you are thinking thoughtfully about the job. You really are prepared for a second interview, but it also gives them a second opportunity to dig deeper. This is where the pull back the curtain piece happens is because you're asking them about something for a second time, they then have to go deeper. 
But I think you have to take good notes. When you're being interviewed, take good notes. Even if it's on Zoom, right? And you've got to look down to write something on a piece of paper or however you keep notes. I think that's fair. And I also think it's really clear to say to somebody, I'm going to take notes while we do this interview. Is that okay? Right? That's what we would coach our seller doers to do in an interview with a client. Can I take notes? Right? Yeah. It's one one other way to really pull back the curtain is to just really let them know that you're being thoughtful about this and then following up with thoughtful questions. I also think that you have an opportunity to guide the conversation a bit. Yeah. If you pick the right questions, I know we're going to get into that a bit later, but I do think it's also a powerful way to, to, to bring yourself some energy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a way for you to feel more confident in the interview for sure. I think that we have to realize that a lot of companies are using recruiters right now to find us. Yes. Right. So, so sometimes that first interview is with a recruiter and they aren't going to be able to answer the hard questions. They're not going Mm -hmm. to be able to describe the go, no go from last week. Right. (laughs) Right? So, so that's okay, but it still is worthwhile to ask some big questions about the company that they represent mm-hmm. and, and to kind of get at the culture, maybe asking questions of their core values, things like that. I think it can be really powerful in that first interview to, to get at that kind of stuff that a recruiter could answer for you. But when you get into that first meeting with the, the real person who's doing the hiring, it, it's just kind of, you're right, it's your confidence should be there. You should be really strong about this because you're going into this meeting and you want to win it, right? If, if really they're after you, then you should have the power. They're giving you the power right. at that point. The recruiter called you. They're giving you the power. Basically what a recruiter is saying is, can I give this person your power to talk to you? So right. I think it's it, that part is really important, but to really demonstrate that confidence, that's where all the things like practicing and rehearsing and and bringing somebody in, we've all got a friend that's close enough or a spouse or somebody, I don't know. I just said that. And I think, man, my spouse would probably laugh at some of the questions uh, that we ask (laughs) in our industry, but, but still like someone who can tell you how you respond when you're answering questions, someone who can tell you all the coaching things, right? Like you're not, you, you don't look, look like, in the camera. Yeah. You're not, yeah. You, you, when you talk, you say a lot of ums and ahs, you know, are you going to wear that to the interview? Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? That kind of stuff. Like, I think that's what's what working with a friend or a partner when you're doing some prep, I think that'll really boost your confidence for the interview. And then once your confidence is there, then you can ask the hard questions. So now I have a situational question for you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What happens when they struggle with an answer that you've given? Yeah. When the interviewer goes, wow, why are you asking these questions of me? Right. Because that can happen, especially if they're caught off guard. No one's done this technique before. They can be like, I thought I was in charge of this interview. I thought I was asking you questions. And I think that that's really a wonderful opportunity. When that happens, hopefully it's not that abrupt. They might be sure. a little more kind and polite about it, but who knows? They might be pretty abrupt. They're taking it back. I think it's your opportunity to say that this conversation is more than about money. This mm. conversation is about the bigger things in a job that you are going to spend a volume of your time at this job, you, right. right? We spend 
I don't know, Americans spend something like more than 50% of their lives at their job. So it's really important that they realize that we're looking at the softer things. Is this a company that I can really dedicate myself to? Is this a mm-hmm. company I can believe in, right? That, that has, has projects and, and people that I want to tell my friends, wow, I work at company X. And, and it's the kind of company that you can be happy at, right? I mean, I don't know about you, Keelan, but I know dozens of really unhappy, angry marketers. <laughs> Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know I've been there myself. I've been the ugly marketer. I've been the one who's like the cranky guy in the corner who really just like, don't talk to him. He's having a bad day for the fifth day in a row. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know? we had to go through one more go, no go. And those SOBs wouldn't, you know, see the real business case. And now here I am cranking on a proposal that I know is a loser Right after the one that was a loser, after the one that was a loser, and they're still not listening to me. And now I'm now I'm Mr. Cranky Pants. And right. So we don't want to be there. Right. And when we get a new job, that's our opportunity to find a happier, more fulfilling place, a place where your voice will be heard, a place where your voice will be respected, a place where your perspective as a marketing and business development professional will be recognized for what it's worth that you are the business case of, of go, no go. You're the business case of what we do on the front lines of our businesses. So whether that's go, no go or customer service, right? That all comes down to, to what we really are good at, what we are professionals in. And so we have to be able to, to be able to turn it and say, look, I want to be happy at this company. And so to be happy at this company, I need to truly understand the ins and outs, the nitty gritty, the details of this company. If I can understand the details of how things really work here. I'll know if I'm a good fit. If I'm not a good fit, I might also know that I'm not a good fit, but my friend Catherine is a good fit and you should call her, right? Mm. And so it also behooves the interviewer that you're asking these questions because the more you know about their job and how it works, the better off you are to either make it the job for you or to find somebody that might be a good fit for them. Right. So then assuming that we'll just go off of the baseline that this interview is virtual. Right. So what are some tips that you have seen to be effective when you're trying to read your interviewer? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Listen for that. Listen for that soft chuckle, that soft Mm -hmm. laughter that usually indicates that you're onto something real, mm-hmm. that you're getting the other person into a situation that they can, to some degree, psychologically laugh at and, sure. and it verbally comes out in that soft laugh or soft chuckle. I think that's a really important thing. I look for that all the time when I'm talking with clients in, in an interview situation. Sure. Um, I also look for how engaged they are in the interview. Are they reading something from a script on the side of the screen while they're talking to me? And are they writing it down? Are they taking some notes about what I'm saying? If they're not taking notes, then they're looking to 
feel you out, right? They're looking to get a feeling or a vibe from you about the job. I am a big fan of always taking notes. Every time I'm talking to somebody, I try to write stuff down, partly because I'm a little ADD and I'll forget what I said or what they said, and I need to go back and read it. But also, I think it's a sign of respect for the other person that I care about what you're saying enough to jot it down. And our words are our only currency. It's the only thing we have to trade with each other. I think that the other thing to look for in the interview is, and I've noticed this on Zoom, when someone's starting to check out or I'm not Mm -hmm. giving the right answer, they will lean back in their chair from the conversation. And when you're really asking good conversations, their head will get bigger in the screen because they're leaning into the conversation. And I, I think that's important. I think that's really important. And then a long time ago, I don't, I think it was like a, I think it was a Jane Goodall documentary on apes, right? Okay. Where she was the woman in Africa that did yeah. all the, the gorilla research. And it was a documentary where they talked about a human behavior that's still in our DNA today is that when you're really in a good conversation with the other person, you're really engaged, you'll do the same behaviors as the other person. And it'll be <laughs> without thinking about it. Yeah. Right. And, 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 if you mimic the behaviors and, and gorillas, apes, I forget what exactly species she was talking about, right. do this often. And it's a very subtle art of communication, but I challenge you to, to watch it even tonight with your husband, or even with your baby. I think yeah. it happens, right? If you think about it, when you smile at your baby, what does your baby do back to you? Right. Smile back. Yeah. Right, smiles right mm-hmm. back. So when you're in tune with the other person, your physical behaviors will line up. They'll be the same for each of you. And it's a really good sign. That's that. And when you see that, you should have some confidence. Like I remember going back and looking for that video. So let's see, six years ago when I was in the dating world uh, and reading it again, and then watching it as I would go on dates and I would see the other person do the same thing, whether it was I don't know, put your hands behind your head or, you know, or cross your arms or lean on the table on your elbows. Like when those behaviors start to naturally be the same without thinking about it, you know, you're probably finding the right person. And you know what, for those that you can't see us, but we're on video (laughs) and Frank is mimicking me. And every time he does it, it makes me feel so much better. <laughs> I'm like, oh, cool. We're on the same page. We are, the second we he are. puts his hands together. <laughs> it's a weird oh, psychological so thing. It really it's, is. It's pretty awesome when you can see it happening. Yeah. I remember watching that documentary and <laughs> thinking, oh my God, I'm finding out how to work with my seller doers by watching Jane Goodall and a gorilla. how crazy is that but it's really a basic human thing that's so crazy yeah (laughs) oh how funny we've also you and i have talked in the past about exit interviews how does an exit interview sort of mentality or i am struggling for the right word but how does that apply to the interview process as as we're talking about it with a job Yeah. So wouldn't it be great if you could go into a job interview and if you knew the person who left before you go in Mm. and say, Hey, what did Susie say in her exit interview? Well, you can't ask that question because there's all kinds of rules about confidentiality and stuff, but you can say, what do other marketers typically mention in their exit interviews? 
Mm. And I think that's a totally fair question. You're not talking about a specific individual. They may give you an answer relative to a specific individual. Sure. But I think it's a good thing to answer. And I would also say this about exit interviews. When you're leaving a job, by all means, give it to them straight. Tell the person the good, the bad, and the ugly, because they, they should, in a good company, use that information to really improve the situation for the next marketer. And if you're yeah. not clear about it, you're not really specific about it, and, and they don't write it down and capture it, which a good HR professional should, and have them read it back to you read them back what you've said so that it's captured correctly so that it does help the next person. It's also a way when you're leaving a job to not burn the bridge behind you and make sure they understand that I'm approaching this from a constructive standpoint. I want to make this company better. I'm leaving. I'm going to company X. However, I've appreciated the time working with your company and I want to make your company better. So I'm going to be very honest and give you some constructive feedback in the exit interview. Sure. And a good company will be very excited to get that, right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to realize that, you know, it's not necessarily a sour grapes or it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. It's really a, a good thing. And I think that's really important to have. I kind of like the way you phrased it. It's a form of asking the company what their weaknesses are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Instead of, cause you know, that strengths and weaknesses question, like it's annoying and I don't know, they probably there's someplace on the SHRM Society for Human Resources Management website that says, don't ask that question. Mm-hmm. Just like we say, don't start a cover letter with, we are pleased to submit probably somewhere mm-hmm. in the SHRM yeah. world, they cringe at. But yeah, there are, there are ways to get at those kind of things through that kind of question. Like what do, what do people typically say when they're exiting the company? Yeah. If the company says we don't really ask, that tells you something too. Sure. That's a red flag. And you're like, wow. Yeah. Like we don't want to learn. We don't want to grow. We don't really care. Like, that's kind of what it says to me when that happens. Right. Um, and even the lack of response to any question. So say you ask some, some situational questions, like tell me about the go, no go last week. And they say, oh, that's confidential. We don't talk about that. Right. Or right? I'm not part of that process. Yeah. Yeah. Like then uh, either I would say, please, can I talk to someone who was, or I would ask, so tell me about it in general. I'm not asking you to tell me the name of the project and the name of the people in the room or anything. Right. I want to know how the meeting went. I'm not asking the specifics of the meeting. And quite often that might set somebody at ease. But honestly, if they don't want to answer those kinds of questions, do you really want to work at that kind of company? Sure. Because they're not going to answer your questions when you're living there, right? Yeah. 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 When you're working there, I just said when you're living there. Oh my gosh. (laughs) When you're, (laughs) because it's kind of how it is. Tomato, tomato. Right. Right? (laughs) When you're there till midnight cranking on something, you do live there. But I think that, that when you're in that situation, when it is your job, if you take the job, and you've got to ask hard questions, say in a go, no go or, or any other time, right? We're going to do a social media post. And is this, what content do you have? And you're trying to, to get at content and they don't want to talk to you. I, I don't know if that's a good company to work for. 
Sure. They should be super engaged. So I wrote down some other questions that might be good to ask, and I think I'd like your take on them. Okay, cool. Do that. Yeah. Okay. What's the max number of proposals a person on your team has been responsible for at a time? Would you ask that question? Wow. That's a great question. And they'll probably soften it, right? Sure. So one way to answer that is, can you give me the minimum and maximum number of proposals that are on average a person's done in your, in your shop? Love it. And it's that way they can say, you know, yeah, it's usually one a week, but sometimes it's three. And if they, if they answer it that way, sometimes it's three in your head. When it comes to numbers and in interviews, I use the multiply by two rule. Okay. which means whatever their answer is, probably double it. Um, <laughs> do you know, do you know what they're trying like, to give you the good answer. Yeah. It's like when you get a questionnaire at the doctor's office that asks you how many drinks you have. A week. <laughs> and you know, damn and well you divide by goes. like five and then. <laughs> <laughs> and your doctor multiplies by five. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably the same thing. But I think it's how you get to reality, right? Yeah. So at least multiplying by two might be a good idea or challenge the answer, right? If they say, sure. oh, it's only one proposal a month, it, it's okay to say, listen, I, I, I'm a, if you are a member of SMPS, I'm a member of SMPS and I've talked to other marketers who worked in this job and they tell me that it's more like five or six proposals a week. Are, are they wrong? Has something changed, <laughs> right? That allows yeah. them the place to say, Yes. And then they will always say, oh my gosh, yes, things have changed. We're way mm. better at go, no go today. Then you would jump in with the, tell me about the last go, no go meeting. That's awesome. Perfect. And, and <laughs> yeah, it's a great question. Okay. My next one, I guess these are questions that I would want answers to. They're just yes. not properly phrased. So you're, we're onto something here. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Okay. What is your management style? Do you like checking in with your colleagues or do you like them to check in with you? Yeah. So again, putting it into a situational context, you could mm -hmm. say, describe your day. Right. How, right. Tell me about yesterday. Mm -hmm. Can you start at, I pulled into the parking garage and turned off my car and then I don't need a minute by minute, but I need an hour by hour description of your day. Sure. And when they have to describe their day, they'll inevitably talk with interactions that they have with other people. Mm -hmm. And so you can ask about those interactions. When you get to that specific interaction, now their head is in yesterday, right? So their chances of them being a little more authentic, a little more honest in the answer are a little higher sure. because they're, they're remembering that day. And this is also where you got to watch the body language signs, right? Because there might be yeah. a subtle eye roll, or there might be a subtle, you know, that soft chuckle noise, or there might be, you know, I don't know, maybe they slap their head on their <laughs> hand on their forehead. You got to watch for that kind of stuff as they're describing their day. And you'll get some ideas on what kind of manager they are, right? If, right. If the person says, well, let's see. So I got into the office at eight o'clock and I checked a bunch of emails. And then at nine o'clock, I walked around and I talked to each of my marketing coordinators and geez, that probably took me, God, that took me like three hours. And then all of a sudden it was lunchtime. I had to rush to a meeting and then, right. So it took me three hours and they say it that way to talk mm -hmm. to their marketing coordinators and, oh, there's only two marketing coordinators at the company. So 
and they sounded a little frustration in their voice with those marketers, then you probably know this is someone who doesn't necessarily like being a manager or right. isn't really found their happy place being a manager. Mm -hmm. um, or they could say it another way, right? I got to talking to my marketing coordinators and the next thing I knew it was noon. That says to me, okay, this person really likes their marketing people. They got so, so engrossed in the conversation, whether it was about work or home or play or whatever, it doesn't matter. They really got engrossed in a conversation with their marketing coordinators. That means they like them. There's some relationship there. I think that's a better way to get at, are you a good manager or not, or describe your management style. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, <laughs> I say that I've never done that, I, but I, now that I say it out loud, I would really love to do that in a job situation <laughs> to really get at how good a manager you are. Yeah. And then test it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So my next one is when was the last time someone on your team was promoted? How long were they in their previous role before the promotion? Ooh, yeah. Right. Because we all want to change in our careers. We all want to mm -hmm. climb the ladder. So they could come across saying, you know, I really can't answer that specifically, but our policy is that after three years, we review every marketing coordinator and look at where they can go in their career. <laughs> sure. Right. Well, I don't know about you, but three years is a long time to crank proposals. I think at a certain point in that process, you're starting to lean more towards business development or management or, or I don't know, social media, other aspects of our job, yeah. website, could be anything. So I think a way to kind of go about that is to say, can you describe the career path for a marketer in your company? Mm. What's the career path? And if they struggle with, that's a serious thing. They shouldn't because every HR thing I'm reading out there all over the place says that career path is one of the top things that people interviewing right now want to know about. Yeah. So they should have a good career path answer. And you should be ready for, for the answer in terms of they'll tell you what the path is. Oh, marketing coordinator becomes marketing manager, marketing manager becomes marketing director, marketing director becomes CMO. Great. That's a career path. Sure. How much time does that take? Mm -hmm. And how much time does that take for really good people, like people who are really smart, really on top of it, high follow through, good customer service, good team players, all that stuff. How fast can that happen for people? And then they have to go and think. That, so at that point, then the org chart becomes real. They don't say marketing coordinator, marketing manager, to marketing director. They say Sarah to Tom to Jack. Megan. Okay. Now I've got names in that org chart and how long is it going to take for each of those people to move to the next spot? And what if Megan at the top doesn't want to move anywhere and she's not right. going anywhere and she's the daughter of the CEO and she's going to be in that job until she's president of the company when her dad dies. Let's hope there's a better scenario, but you know, I mean, if that's <laughs> yeah. the case, then, then sometimes, and that doesn't mean that's not a good job. Right. Yeah. It might be, maybe you don't want to be CMO. Cause I'm telling you right now, like we should all be really careful about wanting to climb the ladder because, well, it often sounds like more money and maybe more vacation and maybe bonuses and, and maybe power and authority. It's a lot of negative things as well. It's a lot more stress. Every rung of the ladder is more stress. Uh, mm -hmm. It's a lot more meetings. It's a lot more emails. It's a lot more people to be responsible to above you and below you. It's a lot more accountability. So 
I think we should think about that career ladder thing very realistically. Sure. Because <laughs> it's not all roses and it's not all big pots of gold. <laughs> I Says the guy who that. went to the top and was like, no, I'm no, that's just not for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How often will I be expected to work overtime? Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. So they're going to say, Oh, on a rare occasion, mm. we'll need you to work a couple of hours. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because that's the safe answer. That's what they think we want to hear. And even if we say realistically, honestly, how often am I going to be working overtime? They're still going to soften that. And you're still sure. going to have to use the multiply by two at <laughs> least rule on this one. This might be a multiply by high. By five. <laughs> so I think a way to kind of ask that same question in a more situational context is to assume, especially if you're coming at the job from a marketing coordinator, senior marketing coordinator, you know, there's a volume of, of work you're going to do that's dependent on other people doing their work, right? The reason we almost always wind up working overtime in marketing is because we were waiting on somebody else to get us something, right? right? Oh, the project manager couldn't get that approach done until six o'clock. And now you've got to plug it into the InDesign doc. Well, first you've got to edit it and send it back to him and he's got to send it back to you. And then, you know, by 930, you're putting it into the InDesign document right. and getting a draft out to the team to review, hopefully, although sometimes you're printing the final copy at that point too. So I think a good way to get at that question is to say, acknowledge that there is overtime. I know there's overtime. Describe mm -hmm. overtime. Describe the overtime experience to me. And they'll probably say, well, there isn't really a lot of overtime here. But when it happens, here's usually the situation where that occurs. Today, especially, can I do that overtime at home? If I've got to wait for a project manager to give me an approach and I'm going to do busy work like I don't know, updating the database while I'm waiting for somebody to write me a project approach, I can go home. Like, can I go home and come in later tonight and finish this thing up when they're done? You know, how flexible can you be with the time when we're waiting on other people to give us deliverables? Sure. Or can Another I clock off? Yeah. And clock back yeah on? Uh, totally. Yeah. And can I finish that up from home right today, yeah. especially my gosh, I can't even imagine sitting. I mean, I, there were nights when the one light in the building, you know, eight stories, the one light that was on was my corner. My tiny oh, I've little had window to like wave over up. my head to activate the motion yes, disaster. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I, I knew the janitors by name. I mean, yep. things like that because <laughs> you're there a lot. Yeah. That, that's crazy. So, but if you know that it's crazy and you know that you can be flexible with it and you know that you can do some other things with your time that you have some autonomy over your time, then I think it gets to be okay. It, sure. it, it's still not great. So another thing to, to ask in that kind of situation is in overtime situations, it's often because we're waiting on a technical professional to give us the data we need to do our job. Mm -hmm. How do you manage the technical professionals to meeting their deadlines? Love that. Right. Because it's not really, you, you, you don't have a lot of control over that. Mm -hmm. Somebody's got to crack the whip on 
technical professionals. And I, I'm, I'm not saying this to be to diss on seller doers at all. They're busy. They're doing like creating and making sure the drawings are right. And they're squeezing marketing in at the last minute. I, I get it. It's hard to do. It is really, really, really hard to do, but it's got to be done. If you right. want both things to happen, doing and selling, then it's got to happen. And so you could also phrase it this way. How do your technical professionals prioritize marketing? Mm. Dig in on that. Whatever their answer is, just dig in on that. Tell me more. Tell yeah. me more. Tell me about the worst of those. Tell me about the best of those. And, you know, Keelan, the thing with all these questions is that sometimes I think in, in our conversation, like we're a little, I think you and I have a little cynical bend to us. Sure. And so <laughs> we kind of look at it very skeptically, right? Sure. Like. So tell me about the last go, no go, because I know it was bad and you're going to tell me all the bad things and I'm going to walk away from the job. No, that shouldn't be the case, right? If they describe a no go situation that you feel that you could manage, at least you're walking into the job with the true expectation of the job. Right. So just because they can't manage a good go, no go process, isn't a reason not to take the job. Right. But it's a reason for you to have your eyes wide open going into that job. And that's what we're trying to do here with, with asking these questions is really make sure your eyes are wide open, your mind is wide open in terms of what the job really is like. Perfect. So I guess the last question, how do you prepare for these questions to be turned on you? <laughs> yeah, right. I love that. I love that. So, because they could, right? <laughs> they could say, well, tell me about the last go, no go meeting in your office, then mm -hmm. your last job. So when you do this, I think this is really where the confidence piece comes in, right? Because now they're almost challenging you a little bit. I think this is where you sit up straight and you really deliver the message that this is about happiness, not just happiness for you, but happiness for them, happiness for your manager. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be at a content place in their life. And I'm not so naive to think that you're going to find the job that's just a bed of roses. Right. It doesn't exist, but it's going to be a job where you really feel like you connect and you thrive and you grow and you really become a better person and the company becomes a better company and everybody goes up. And I right. think that's really what you're trying to do when you do this. So when they start to turn your questions your way, it's that place to bring this back to a, it's a constructive conversation. And really, this is where we're going to dig in and get better at it. So let's do this. Why don't you come on the PSM show and we'll do a back-to-back -back session. And the next session, you can switch over to psm.show and find it. We will talk about the other side of the table and how it's like, what it's like when people ask you these questions and how you might respond as an interviewer and what you might look for in the person that's being hired. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, just before I let you go, if our listeners want to learn more about you, where should I direct them? Aside yeah, from the PSM show. 
<laughs> Aside from the next episode, yes. uh, I think you should check me out on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also pretty out loud on Facebook. If that's your gig, your jam, a little bit on Twitter. I'm out there. There's even a Frank on Instagram. The podcast is a great place to get to know me and know my style for sure. Certainly www.go-strategies.com is Perfect. where they can find all the info about me and my awesome business partners and company. Perfect. I will include that in the episode show notes. Excellent. Awesome. Let's put these questions in the show notes too. That is a very good idea. I will do that, except I'm going to do them how you paraphrased them. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time. That's great. Thank you, Caitlin. All right, Marketeers, that is a wrap on this week's episode of the AEC Marketeer podcast. Thank you again to Frank for joining me. And I look forward to our next conversation on the PSM Show podcast. As always, if you're enjoying this podcast, I would invite you to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are released every other Wednesday. Chat soon.